It's footy and frothy's review time. Round 16 is in the books, for better or worse. I uh, hope everyone's staying safe out there and uh, at least dryish. Our, be- our thoughts with everyone doing a bit tough at the moment with uh, yet more rain in Sydney. Uh, but how are we travelling here, boys? Ollie, Daggy, and Barney with you. Barney, what's going on? Yeah, mate, I would reiterate those thoughts. Hopefully, everyone's um, for the third or fourth time this year's been able to. Um, Get away from get out of this rain for a little bit and not have to deal with the, the floodings. But and if if it has impacted you, hopefully you get through it very shortly. Uh, all safe and well. But um, yeah, I thought we had a pretty good week, weekend of footy again. Um, there were some really good games and a couple of bludges, but we get that most weeks, I think. Just it's the competition and the way it is. Um, yeah, I did a bit of walking around in the rain for the first time in a little while today, so I had some soggy feet by the end of the day, but. Enjoyable enough. How are you guys going in the office? Yeah, plugging away. Getting through the end of financial year fun. Uh, Oliver, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, I was sick. Um, still a little bit sick, but mostly better. And taxing it up, kicking some tax, as <laughs> Adrian likes to say in the office. So, yes, we're kicking tax left, right and centre. Good work, mate. Good. Well done. Uh, yeah, interesting. I'm just going to knock over the news very quickly so I can we can round about some shitty football. Um, the Origin teams are out. Tom Gilbert is the only change for Queensland. Comes into the 17 with Kafusi uh, overseas. I believe it's a compassionate grounds more than anything uh, in the US. And uh, Jordan McLean will make his Origin debut uh, at 30. Is he 30? 30. Um, with Payne Haas injured. The only change in New South Wales, no Jack Whiten and no uh, no other changes. Talakai kept his bench spot. Uh, we're going to have a full preview next week, but just very quickly, thoughts on the two players that have come in? Anything we really need to talk about? Um, I'm a little surprised about McLean, not even necessarily the selection, because I think he's played well for the Cowboys this year, albeit probably not. Not even, and this is a credit to them, not even one of their, Stars, their best players. I'm just a little surprised. I don't know about you guys about him being selected to start. Is this possibly something that it's a, every game, at least this series and most series, there's always a contentious, will this player actually start? Will they not? Will this player? And it, is that possibly something we're sort of seeing here? Or do we I don't know if he necessarily start. I think he's in the 17 because I don't think there's any other props on there. On the extended bench, but uh, whether he starts in the 13, not sure. Uh, but I thought Paulo was good off the bench, so maybe he does. No. Uh, I, I do I do come back to thinking RCG's been hard done by. I thought he was pretty good. Oh, absolutely. You know, losing like, game way is fantastic week after. Queensland team would rather play Jordan McLean than play against Clemmer or RCG at the moment, mm-hmm. I would imagine, because um, they would have been the two guys that I would have been looking at before um, Jordan McLean got a start. But... Um, yeah, as you said, I can't see him not getting a start unless they do something completely radical like push Crichton into the middle and maybe pull Talakai onto the bench and then Whiten comes into the side and McLean misses out. But to, to turn around and tell him that he's going to debut, I don't think that they're going to drag him out of the oh. side at the last minute. So that would be pretty rough. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I can see him starting a prop. But, um, yeah, he definitely wouldn't have been my pick. There probably would have been two two or three others that I would and have been And you've been screwing Clemmer for oh, six weeks now and he put in another big effort, uh, well, he's against his, relative since, to his opposition on the weekend. But. Since he came back from injury this year, he's been fantastic, I think. Um, he's been back near his best. Uh, so, 
And, um, yeah, I don't think RCG's really done anything wrong uh, either, to be honest. I think he probably would have been the, my first pick. And then if it wasn't him, it would have been Clemmer. But, uh... And Tom Gilbert uh, has come you know, come from nowhere, but it's part of the end of the day, they both come out of this Cowboys team, which you're probably safe in saying is the second best team in a comp at the moment. So I guess one, I feel, is more astute selection than the other, but... Uh... Who are we to, to doubt the yeah, well, Gilbert hasn't been around for a long time, but he's been in terrific form this year. Um, he's, he's in absolute career best form, and I don't think he's going to let anyone down coming into that team. So, Sorry, the, other thing, the other thing I didn't check is Ruben caught a back, I assume he is. Or not? I still don't think he is, no. Sorry, that is still the, out. And the other one I hadn't even thought to double check. We didn't play last week and wasn't named on the extended bench, so. Um, no, okay, then that didn't. Unless the Cowboys are trying to keep him for themselves next week. No, I don't, <laughs> don't know. Yeah, pretty no, sure he's still, still got 13. an injury. Yep. Yeah. All good. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll do a comprehensive preview of that if you've got nothing more to add to anyone. No. I was surprised Talakai and um, Whiten. I'm surprised Whiten was left as 18th man, but who's, who's oh, to say that won't change? I would have thought he would have. He, he yeah, should have been 17th, if not 14th. Uh, and maybe he will be, so as you said. But uh, I thought, he, yeah, he's in and around the squad. We'll see what happens with that one. Uh, you know, I can't really comment on it. The rest is all that is, I suppose. So we'll wait and see how the next week plays out. Trade news, uh, Saluka Fafida has gone to South, effective immediately from Easts, as they continue to try and clear the decks. Probably, a, a, I guess it's another bench forward for him, which they could use. Uh, and... Uh, Judiciary news, uh, Wallace got two weeks for, uh, what is it, his fourth pumpkin effort in about four weeks? Yeah, about that. Um, yeah, it was a pretty bad spear tackle. I thought he was probably looking at more like four weeks, to be honest. But... Are you surprised by the judiciary these days? No, not at all. <laughs> about as surprised as some of the refereeing calls we see. Well, that's, our next, that's my next point is that uh, in lieu of the gump not being here, but this week was... It just was exhausting for me after a while, given, I think, two to three games that were directly affected by referees' calls. Uh, result, the result was directly aff- affected, and other teams, you might argue, never got going due to referees' calls. And we, we, we've for years tried to avoid ref bashing and all the rest of it, or ref shaming or ref blaming or whatever you want to call it, but I don't understand how it has gotten worse this year. I'd like, it's mind-blowing some of the stuff that's happened this round. Uh, blatantly, uh, we'll talk on specific results too. We don't even need to. Like Canberra got fucked. Simple as that. Uh, okay. As they got fucked earlier in the year, and as um, a team that's what they're running twelfth or something, they'd be running eighth if they had the couple of wins that they probably should have had. Uh, I thought the uh, the refereeing in Penrith games is 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 mind blowing in some games this year. And yes, they are the best team. Yes, they're very good. But by God, they get some great. Like they get some rub of the green. And uh, what else? What other games were there? There was two other games that were just as bad. But um, I just don't understand how it is uh, in such a state, especially like I'd almost rather get rid of all technology and just let the blokes go out and uh, make their own decisions. But any thoughts on it? There was some howlers. I, I don't know how you go back two tackles and then bring the play back for Crichton's um, 10 in the bin. I understand if you want to send him to the bin, but why the play gets brought back two plays later after Penrith made a mistake, yeah. I don't like, understand. Um, but how long like, How long's a piece of string? Like, fucking go back and check if they're onside for the kickoff. Like, honestly, 
It's like absolutely that was that was disgusting. And then and, and they had they, they made about circle. thirty meters as well. Like if they yeah, didn't have right. advantage, and they were what is an advantage? Score and then because they didn't score, it, they can take it back. Fairly should have been a, a sin bin anyway. And then yeah, the Verrills one wasn't a you know. Was a basically a speed hump, and the guy fell on his head when he ran over a speed and hump. Both those incidents resulted in points, so there's 12 points here, uh, in an eight point game. And then, uh, they don't have the balls in a dragons game, and it's to not necessarily a penalty. Hunt, but yeah, if you're not going to sin bin for you're not going to blow a six again, or yeah, then it should be a professional foul. He knew what he was doing. He, the definition of professional foul is you. The ref knows there's five or ten seconds left in the game. They're ten meters out. Do they want a six again? No, they fucking don't. They want a penalty. Like surely the ref has a discretion to call a penalty in that situation, even if it's not a professional foul, yeah. even if it's a ruck infringement. Like surely there's some sort of discretion in like fucking the feel of the game to be able to call. But that a if they had given that a penalty, do you reckon like Hook wouldn't have gone blowing up? It was a penalty. Wouldn't think so. You might have, but like, te- like no one would have thought they were hard done by. No, absolutely. It deserved the penalty, and the, the you know the game deserved to go into overtime. Mm. But Oliver, you getting to add to all this? In your opinion? Well, if we're <laughs> adding adding on top, I guess with the referee blunders, there's blunders that I noticed actually in the the New South Wales Cup game that was on on Saturday. I think um, Canterbury and Newtown, and I don't know. It's just we sort of talk about and. You see it all the time. People say to get rid of the bunker, etc. This, that, and the other, and um, you know, leaving it up to human error. Error, I guess you could say. But it's weird, and I really haven't watched much New South Wales Cup this year, so it was interesting seeing, to be honest, some of the howlers the referee was ha- having because there was no bunker. Like s- some of the the calls that were that were made, and I, I don't know how often this happens in. New South Wales Cup or the other competitions and that, but it, it, the, you guys just reminded me of that actually speaking about the referees just actually, I don't know, it was sort of a bit of a, a, a look at it from a different point of view because there was at least one try. There was one try where it was Bailey beyond Yodo went out before he put the ball down. Like he well and truly, like no shadow of a doubt at all went out. The try was awarded. And then when they looked at it after on the, the replay, he went out, the trial was awarded. So that, that's sort of the main thing I guess I took away from the referees this weekend is just, well, maybe the bunker is a good thing. Like maybe- if you take the bunker away, we're still going to be having this same discussion because yeah. obviously, you know, the mistakes are still being made with the bunker there. The worst ones are obviously when the bunker makes a mistake yeah. as well on top of it. But um, the... The glaring thing was the obviously the, the St. George Raiders game. Like Now does it come back to whether they make a directive for the refs to use their discretion in different times of the game or do they turn around and say, oh, if they're within the 20, it can be a penalty or do they just scrap it all together? or you know, Because they've wound it back a little bit and it, the, the six again doesn't seem to have a, as big an impact as it was no. making two years ago. So Unless it's done, which it only seems to happen to some teams, unless it happens on the fourth or fifth tackle. 50 yeah, like at halfway, yeah, yeah. Or... and then you get to roll again through the middle. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, some people have brought up some pretty good points, and realistically, it, it, like I like the rule, um, but I wouldn't be adverse to it basically just going back to if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. To be and honest, you only have to so. you only have to say, yeah, 
you got to have referees with common sense and perhaps even the rules do. You don't have to say referees' discretion is allowed. Yeah. And, well, I'm pretty sure that was the rule when it first came out, that, that it was a six again, depending on, you know, referees' discretion. Like, and obviously, if, you, if you're in your own end, you want a penalty. If you If it's a minute to go and you need two points to tie the game up, you want a fucking penalty in front of the post. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, unless they ask the captains, I, I don't know. But then you're slowing the game down again, so... Yeah, smarter minds than me will have to work on that, I guess. I'd have to think about that. What the actual answer is, but in that case, I wouldn't. It, it should just be a professional foul. It shouldn't have been necessarily a ruck infringement, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, well, that's the way because it. it was a ruck infringement, and then he went out of his way to fuck that up again and <laughs> do something that he should really. He jumped out way too early. Bill Harrigan would have. Bill Harrigan would have binned him and given. Well, if the dummy half drops the ball there. Yeah, the game stops. It goes to the bunker. It's a penalty, isn't it? Yes, I would have thought so. So <laughs> it's, it's anyway. a bit mad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But the, the bigger issue is that it seems like we have this chat every week, and it's it. You know, we try and be positive about league, and it's it. It's and they get, it's it gets better for a week or two, and then it just fucking everything explodes and it goes back to where it was three weeks yeah. before. It's yeah, hundred percent. It's amazing how it keeps going around in circles, but. Yeah. Do we have any, anything else you want to talk about, lads? There was some oh. um, there was some pretty good efforts in the rain, and there was some 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 silly shit. But we'll get to that, I guess. May as well, we may as well start. Thirty six thirty. Manly kicked off round round sixteen, beating the Storm, who scored four tries in four minutes to uh, sort of, <laughs> I guess, flatter themselves. I'd say more than anything. Uh, the oh, absolutely. That's Barney, and uh, and yeah, we'll get back to it. Yeah, we had seven tries to six, three out of seven conversions for Manly, three out of six for the Storm, one out of one penalty attempts for Manly. 75% completion played 84%. That was 30 out of 40 sets played 33 out of 39. Six line breaks for both teams, 42 tackle busts to Manly, 40 to Melbourne, nine offloads to seven, four force dropouts by Manly and a 40-20. 239 tackles played 301. One ruck infringement from both teams, one inside the 10 against Manly. Eight penalties conceded to six, 14 errors to eight. Crocker made 25 tackles. Grant made 38. Cooler with 195 running metres and Nelson Asafa Solomona with 171. Crocker missed six tackles, made 25. Davey missed five and made 23. Nikarima missed seven and made 16. And Meany missed five and made eight. I think, uh, uh, sorry. Pappenhausen with 135 supercoach points. DCE with 118. And can a cool up with a hundred. I think this game really showed, uh, and I've, I've sort of played it before, but this Melbourne production line is now a little bit empty. I think we've reached the bottom of it. The they they no longer have the depth they had once you start getting into the second and third stringers in this team. Uh, mm-hmm. And There's when they lose, and when they lose a handful of other forwards next year, I'm you know I'd be concerned about. Yes, any team with Munster, Grant and Hughes is going to be okay, but uh, I'd be concerned about where they're headed in the next couple of years. Yeah. Unless you're going to fall off a cliff, but I don't think they're going to be the powerhouse they've been for the last decade. Uh, you see a lot more games like this yeah, it'd be when a lot, you haven't seen them for years. 100%. Uh, but, uh, yeah, outside backs were mediocre for a lot of this. Nick, Nick Arima, probably we won't see again in first grade again for another few years. He yeah. had a night to forget. He had not much in attack and, well, less than nothing in defence. With a, put an early claim for a pot plant there. Uh, Ford's got owned a bit. I thought that Melbourne's best was the cheese, pretty much. He was about the only one trying for a lot of this. And um, Nelson. 
Nelson was good and, and Pappenhausen faffed about for about 70 minutes and then looked good for the last 10. Uh, Manly were good. Uh, their, their outside backs were great. Harper and Cooler had a, had a bit of a field day picking on some of those. The new Melbourne backs, they they looked very good. Uh, four and just um, just playing really good footy. Not afraid to run into the line, take someone with him and then uh, and offload. And DCE was largely dinner suitish, but um, was, I thought it was good as well. Uh, and you know what you get from Olakawadu and Jake. They were fantastic as they have been all year. Uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty good for Manly. I thought it was... It, I can't fault anyone in their team, which um, we have been able to lately. Garrick, as I've said before, would look at home in a one jersey and a few other clubs. But uh, your thoughts, Ollie? Yeah, Garrick's definitely comes a lot. Um, as a fullback this year, of course, he's played there a bit before, but ever since Tommy's sort of been out for the year and has been confirmed, he sort of tried to make that jersey his own, albeit he will not be wearing that jersey to start the season next year. Um, but for me, yeah, the standouts, at least for Manly, were the centres. And I'd say Jake Travojevic just continuing his return to form, I guess you could say, in a weird way, because as Barney's brought up before, uh, his defence has remained solid. He's always been uh, a great defender, once again, making 50 tackles, but um, he's running metres of backup now as well. He's getting more active in attack. Um, and that to me, was one of the key contributing factors to Melbourne's forward pack getting owned a little bit in this one, which uh, I, I wouldn't have expected, to be honest, even even with the form of Olakowatu and Travojevic, and they were definitely the two leaders in that forward pack who uh, were able to give Manly that edge. Uh, I don't know what to make of Melbourne anymore in a weird way because, and I guess it's still... Um, comes back to the lay of the land of the competition, if you will, because it's like, well, they could still, like, they could still win the comp, but like, they just, I, I've never seen Melbourne sort of this mid area before. I guess you could say mid's probably the way to describe it. Is in they've they've not really hit the heights of the last few years, and I know last year during the regular season was uh, their most dominant patch ever I guess you could say with the winning run that they went on but I, I just I don't know they've they're still up there they're still a top four side arguably will end up still top two but there's just something different they're not horrible by any stretch of the imagination they still got all those players there but it, I don't know that they, they just they just seem like a bit of a I don't or the aura is the aura is declining I don't want to call them a wild card or, or something because they are a team who on their day can still absolutely flog teams they still have that in them but it's just not as consistent so I, I, I don't really know what to make too much of what to make out of Melbourne too much anymore and come finals time it'll be really interesting to see because at a stretch they could go out in straight sets Um or they could make the grand final. Like, it, it's really strange. It's a funny thing to me. If if they make the grand final, I'd be very scared of them. But then I'm yeah. like, oh, but then I don't want to back them to to make it right now. But we haven't. We've only just got Papenhausen back. We haven't yet seen Munster and Hughes on the field together a lot. And Harry's been either injured or through Origin for about a month. Their forward packs are concerned to me uh, more than anything. But if they do get to a grand final and have all 17 fit, then they're a scary, scary team. But a lot, a lot's, uh, yeah, mid's an interesting term for them. Barney, your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, I flagged it at the start of the year that I, I was concerned with their forward pack and their depth and um, especially their running metres through the middle. And I don't think there's been many games this year where they've been dominant through the middle of the field. Um, generally, it's sort of been papered over a bit with Pappenhausen's running a mark and Hughes and Munster, you know, carving teams up through the middle. But um, I'm, I'm yet to see a really strong dominant performance out of their forwards. Um, like Kamakamika really had no impact in this game. There's a few others, um, Chris Lewis and a couple of the other the second rowers that didn't really um, have any impact at all. As you mentioned, Cheese and Naz, uh, Nelson were probably the only two that did have a um, that impact in the middle of the field. And they took Cheese off for about half an hour, which I, I think sort of um, killed him a little bit there too because he was buzzing around in his 100th game. I probably would have left him out there for the 80, to be honest, because yeah. he was up and about. But... Um, Manly started fantastic. Um, they, they they matched the Storm early in that first probably 10 minutes or so when the, the Storm did seem up for the game. But then for the next hour, they just um, pretty much ran all over uh, Melbourne. They were they were bettering the Storm for a good 60 minutes in this game, all in all aspects on the field, uh, especially through the middle of the field. And um, I, I can't remember any games this year where Manly's had more than one forward run over 100 metres. And I think they had three or four in this game, uh, which which is obviously a massive difference. Marty Tapao, I think, is one that you didn't mention. I thought he yeah, had absolutely. a terrific game. Um, he was fantastic. Good month or so, in the hand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and their outside backs got in and did some of that hard work through the guts as well. Um, like Yusabs, Harper, Kula, and Tolapalutu, they all ripped in off, uh, and took those early carries coming out of their back end which helped their forwards out as well. Um, the defence was extremely strong as well. Like man, Melbourne didn't look like scoring realistically for the you know, for 50, 60 minutes of, of this game. Um, obviously, it, it fell apart alarmingly in the last sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game. But um, I think they just sort of, you know, they took Jake off and they just went, oh, we've won this one and put kicked it back down into first gear and then Pappenhausen put it up into fifth gear and tore them apart through the middle of the field. But... Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, Melbourne just seemed to because once they got that first try from Meany, it was a pretty easy try out in that edge there, and then they just seemed—I don't know—it seems like they just expect things to happen, like because it's you know it's been happening for five or ten years. They just get into their work and they they win and they do it easy, but Manly weren't having any of it. They they were really big through the middle of the field, and um, <laughs> it's the most dominant performance I think I've seen out of the forwards for Manly this year. Um, Pappy struggled really badly for that first hour of the game too. Like he was dropping balls left, right and centre. He was throwing passes in behind people, throwing them over the sideline. Yeah, two or three, yeah, early on, absolutely. And I was um, I was quite concerned on how he was going to go, but yeah, it obviously clicked into that last 10 minutes or so. Uh, Tapao and Naz were probably the big, the, the best ball runners of the day. Um, you can chuck cheese in there as well. And um Jake did a bit of work there too, but um, it surprised me how easily the Manly's outside backs turned this defensive line inside out. Like there was so many times where they got caught on the outside edges or caught through the centers. And I think you mentioned foreign, it had a lot to do with foreign going into the line and attracting defenders, which obviously gives a bit more space outside there um, for them to do their work. I thought DCE's kicking game was fantastic. Um, Cheese's reintroduction when he came back in and stole that ball off Marty for the try and then he's buzzing around trying to put shots on and do some different things was um, was a big uplift and part of the reason that they sort of got back into the back end of the game. Um, they almost come back and stole it, but yeah, they're probably really not in too much um, too much trouble there. Although Olam, one who didn't mention, was really good uh, for, for the Storm. 
And who else haven't been mentioned? That's probably it. Everyone else has been That's mentioned. Been, yeah. The back five, Olakawatu and Tapao were the best of the forwards. DCE, three points. Pappenhausen with two and Olakawatu with one for me. I, I, <laughs> yeah, just, I, I, I didn't, to be honest, didn't think of giving Pappenhausen any points. Uh, Olakawatu, I would say Olakawatu two. two. Yeah, and then yeah, if you're going to say Pappenhausen or Kula or Cheese. Oh, we'll leave leave Pappy out. But I'm, I'm not I'm not object no, to we'll it. I just had to cheese or cooler. Oliver, Ollie, cheese or cooler. Lovely little bit of camembert cheese. If you cheese, all nice. right, I'll give it a cheese. Uh, cheese two, cheese, uh, cheese one. Yep, DCE three. Oliver, oh, two two. DCE three. Thirty-eight twelve. The Knights put the sword to a very very average football team. In the Titans, perhaps uh, only grateful that there was another just as average team later in the weekend. But uh, stats barn, and you can have first crack at this before I hand the reins to, to young Oliver. Excuse me. And eight tries to two, three out of eight conversions for Newcastle, two out of two for the Gold Coast. 82% completion played 70%. So what's that? That could have been another 10 points. <laughs> 38 out of 46 sets played 24 well, Just quietly, I think any other team does put on 40 in the first half, but anyway. 700-plus running metres and 270-plus post-contact metres for Newcastle. Five line breaks to three. 25 tackle bus played 26. Nine offloads to five. Three force dropouts to zero. Zero 40-20s. 281 tackles played 363 for the Gold Coast. Two ruck infringements to four. Zero inside the tens. Five penalties conceded by Newcastle. Seven conceded by the Gold Coast. Eight errors to 14. And the send-off to the Titans. A simbin to Newcastle. Randall made 41 tackles. Firma made 48. Young made 294 running metres. Brimson with 209. Frizzell missed five tackles, made 25. Clune missed four and made 11. Asako missed three and made five. Edric Lee with 172 supercoach points. Young with 102. Brimson with 84. Um, Titans never looked like they were any chance in this game. Um, Basically, two minutes after the kickoff, it looked like they just weren't interested, half of them, or three quarters of them, realistically. Um, Brimson caught fire for 10 or 15 minutes, but they never got close. Um, and he was basically doing it all on his own there for the, that 10-minute period when he did catch fire. Um, the Knights just seemed to get around the Titans at will. Like Every time that they went wide, they it looked like the Titans were defending two players short for the entire match. Um, there was space everywhere. If it wasn't around them, it was in the centers or inside a half somewhere. There was just so many gaps in that outside defense. It was ridiculous. Um, the Knights had a pretty solid performance across the board. I don't think there was anyone that you would really pick out as a poor performance on the, in, in that team. But on the other side of the field was a whole different story. Um, Jared Wallace is dead set becoming the biggest liability in the game at the moment. Um, he is just doing stupid shit week after week. And um, if it's not getting sent off for 10, it's, you know, stupid ruck penalties when they're four behind against the, like, against the Sharks yeah. in good field position on the fifth tackle to give the Sharks another set and get down the other end of the field. And he's done, yeah, the last four to five weeks, he's done two or three really stupid things. Every game. Um, I don't know what's going on with him at the moment, but yeah, something's not right there. The um, Tino only got 47 minutes. I know he's backing up off Origin, but still they needed him out there. And um, 
I'm not sure what's going on there. Probably he might have told him to get fucked. He didn't want to go back out. <laughs> the rest That's of true. them aren't going to have a go. I'm not going to go out there either. But um, Mo and Fafita were decent, especially considering the layoff Fafita's had. Um, I thought Herman SASA was really good off the off the bench in 30, you know, he only played 30 minutes or so, but I thought he was really good, had a big impact. Um, the halves are horrible. And as were the, you know, a few of the, most of the outside backs, Asako and Kelly, those, those two blokes need to be looking for another profession, I think, at the moment. The way that they've been playing their footy for this year and parts of last year and previous years as well, they they seem to have more poor performances than decent ones. Um, I thought uh, Marzu was good. He he put in, did a job uh, for them. Firmer and Brimson were the best of a, a, a very poor bunch. Um, I thought Clemmer was very strong again. The halves were good. Um some real nice touches, passes for points uh, out of Kloon and uh, old mate, what's his name? Milford. Played for the Broncos, Milford. <laughs> he seems to be getting better week after week, actually. Uh, he's improving. I'm, I'm not sure how much further he can, can improve because we've seen previous results, but he's, um, you know, he's going. I don't think, he's had a, I don't think he, him himself has had a bad game since he's, no, come, since back. he's come back. No, he's, he's been pretty good for him. He's adding a different point of attack for them, which um, I thought they would have lacked with Ponga being, not being there, but um, they didn't need <laughs> didn't need Ponga in this game. Uh, Gay Guy had a strong showing after a couple of uh, mediocre performances recently, uh, and the wingers just had an absolute field day in this one. Edric Lee and, and Dominic Young were just making metres and scoring tries for fun. Yeah, I'm sorry. If, you, if your wingers score eight tries between them... The, it, it's as much a criticism of the defence of the outside backs of the other team as any girls. Because it wasn't like anyone was tearing them apart along the way. And it's a similar story to the Tigers, and, and perhaps a similar story to the Warriors, but at least they won this week. But we've, we're now at a stage where the Mailers Holbrook won't see the next match. And these blokes, that like, these outside backs and some of these guys here, like what upside is there as a first grade in? Well, they're, not, they're, not, they're barely trying now. They're not going to try for the next six weeks if they're not now, unless it's unless they get a complete rocket up and say, mate, we're tearing up the contract. You can go play in the bush. So I, I just, you know, at a point where I, I don't know how this team and how the Tigers win another game, um, but this is this might be the worst performance I've seen this year given how not much, you know, outstanding Newcastle did to win. And they could have won by more, as you've said. Uh, and you've covered off all the key points from a Newcastle point of view. Ollie. Given Holbrook looks like he has coached his last game, and, and to your point earlier, Barn, about some of these players, like I, I actually think a lot of them have gone backwards this year. And, and we've talked before about how some clubs get the best out of players and some clubs' players go there and disappear. Like um, I actually don't think Mo's been that good for four or five weeks now. Um, he's been okay, no, he but he's not been the player. And we, but the, the thing is, when we saw how good he was last year, how good some of these players were last year when they stormed into the eight, it's it's nothing's changed bar effort, really. Yeah, well, Firmer and Leo, Leo were easily their best forwards, mm. and um, there, there was really nothing else to go with it. So um, it. It's application, and whether that's, you know, how good, bad, or indifferent the coach might be, obviously they don't want to try for him. So maybe, like, it'll just be the fourth club looking for a coach. Oh, what does that actually mean? Who do you hope to get out of it? And, and like, what to next apart from hope for next year? Who do I hope to get out of... Justin Holbrook being sacked. Who do I hope the Titans bring in? I hope they bring in Craig Bellamy, but that's obviously not going to happen. I'm not too confident when looking at any of the current options available, to be honest, because I don't know how any of the options can really do something with the Titans squad, 
even a guy like Shane Flanagan, I get his pedigree. He's a premiership winner uh, with Cronulla. He's had success with Cronulla, um, but he's not coached in a couple of years. And um, we've also seen uh, a c- couple of other um, premiership winning coaches in the past go to other clubs and then not be able to do much. I don't know. That One just can't quite come to mind right now when thinking of exa- of an example. I don't know. I feel like there's one that's blindingly obvious. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess Paul Green, because he has been a premiership winning coach, he could bring in because he's had success in the past. I'm not too excited about any rookie coach or any coach who hasn't coached in the NRL before coming over to coach the Titans because I don't know what they really bring. And to be honest, if they want to make any real change or at least try to do something, you drop half the squad and you you maybe keep a few of the, the forwards and otherwise you try something different. But unfortunately, they've now been – the Titans have put themselves in a position where they've got essentially no spine. They had some semblance of a spine last year and that's how they were able to sort of sneak into the eight, but they just don't have a spine. Their spine is – AJ Brimson, who, yeah, puts in some great individual efforts, but what does that mean for the team? Absolutely nothing. So if I had to pick one of them, I guess I would pick Paul Green to coach at the Titans, possibly even Madge just because the experience is there. But other than that... It like, actually I, seems I more and more know. likely that of all the coaches that have gone and options on the table, you'd think Madge probably ends up with a job pretty soon. Funnily well, enough, he seems already like out of the current contenders. I guess you could say he's already shot up that list. Uh, I'd say at least in my estimation. So, and it feels like there's sort of a groundswell of sympathy for him. Like, I think so. I think, I think a lot of people yeah. understand, sort of, don't necessarily blame him for what he, what's happened. But yeah, you know, yeah. So I get, there's not too much I could say. And there's either. no real personnel turnover for you next year, is there? It's not like you, apart from foreign. Well, that that's the only one. Kieran Foran's coming in, and what really? What's gonna like? I, I don't want to like bag him out before he gets here because he's been pretty good for Manly, especially last season. But I don't see that translating to the Titans. I probably more see um, Bulldogs Kieran Foran coming over, who was still a, a good player when he was on the field for them, um, rather than Manly Kieran Foran coming to the Titans. To be honest. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you know, end of the day, what's this? A 13th place team to talent up the team that's going to run 15th or 16th? Is there anything more to talk about? No. We'll give, should we give Edric three? Dom Young two? Clamour one? Works for me. Barney's muted himself. Oh, Barney's gone. Yeah, I gave Edric three points. I actually gave Clemmer two and then either Young or Milford the one, but yeah, you could go with Young two and Clemmer one. Oliver, what do you think? Hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Go, go Clemmer two, we'll go Young one. All right. 26-18, Penrith defeated a very plucky Roosters team in a, in a pretty good game of football. We've sort of touched on the refereeing a couple of refereeing calls already uh, so we'll try not to redwell on them uh, yep. despite the fact they're at crucial times and yeah arguably cost them the game uh there were the stats saver 
Four tries to three, four out of four conversions played, three out of three for the Roosters, and one out of one penalty attempts for Penrith. 81% completion played 80%, which led to 36 out of 44 sets and 33 out of 41. Seven line breaks to Penrith, three to the Roosters. 53 tackle busts played 57. Seven offloads to six. One forced dropout to two. Zero 40-20s. 349 tackles played 346. One ruck infringement from both teams and two inside the 10s from both teams. Three penalties conceded by Penrith, eight by the Roosters. 11 errors by Penrith, nine by the Roosters. Uh, and a sin bin for the Roosters. Appy made 51 tackles. Butcher made 45. Edwards made 205 running metres. And Takiaho with 217. Appy missed 12 tackles, but did make 53. Martin missed seven and made 26. Satili missed seven and made 17. And Collins missed six and made 37. Coruscant with 107 supercoach points. Takiaho with 105. And Manu with 97. Good game of footy. Um, I thought Roosters matched Penrith for a large chunk of it. Uh, they, uh, I'll, I'll just start by mentioning Siswa. Uh, Takiyaho, I thought that was one of the performances of the season from a front row against uh, the Penrith pack. Uh, he was outstanding. His defence was fantastic. As you said, 200 and, what is it, 217 run metres. Uh, a try and some line breaks and tackle busts and... Uh, I thought every time he touched the ball, as he has been since he's come back from the injury, actually, he's been, he, he was the Roosters' best. Uh, Joey Manu looked pretty good at 5'8". Surprise, surprise. Actually, actually, the more I thought about it this weekend, I actually think he's a better fullback. I think he's better with a bit more space and maybe just being able to pick where he wants to go. But given up, they've got a pretty good one at fullback right now. Six works as well for him. And uh, there's nothing wrong with him. Uh, Get him getting hands on the ball all the time. Uh, 14 tackle busts, actually, just looking at two for him, um, which is... Yeah, straightened up their attack a lot as well, which... Which, is, which they've missed for a team yeah. that likes to end up in corners a lot. Uh, but they were, they were pretty good. Uh, Victor Radley is his first game back, I suppose, but I don't think he'd been quite with us, um, the games he has played this year. Uh, Tupo, fantastic, doing a lot of uh, donkey work there. Uh, they, you know... They're, they're probably just missing that next step, but I thought they matched Penrith as much as they could effort-wise. And um, given the couple of calls against them, uh, I thought they were unlucky. Uh, all the usual suspects were good for Penrith. Uh, particularly, though, I'll just mention Appy. I thought he's just fantastic. His service, uh, particularly close to the line, was good. Uh, and just knows when, didn't run a lot, but knew exactly when to. 53 yeah, tackles on top busts. of it. Absolutely. Line break assist, try assist. And uh, after his less than stellar test match, um, really kick out was good again. Very nice return to form for him getting in amongst it. Uh, but it's Penrith, you know. I imagine we know what we're all going to say of all the players I haven't mentioned. But, uh, Ollie, what did you make of this game? Well, it's officially dawned on me that the Roosters well and truly are the Jekyll and Hyde of the NRL in 2022. Uh, hey, hello. We they, haven't got to Parramatta yet. Well, see, I thought of Parramatta, <laughs> but I've decided Parramatta are simply just Parramatta, and that's how they've always been and always will be, damn it. But the Roosters, they they don't necessarily always win, but up against the, the better teams in the competition, Penner, for example... They put in a good effort. They match them. They look like they could beat them. They look like they could be a top four team. They they flogged the Cowboys earlier this year. They nearly beat Melbourne. They've beaten Parramatta. They beat 
Cronulla as well. Jokes, yeah. yeah. So, and, and then they lose just games you expect them either to win easily or games that you expect to be close. They sort of lose by a bit of a bigger margin. So I don't know. They are, well, I think that they sort of epitomise being that team and that was on full display here because of how good they were against Penrith and how well they did match them. I mean, I, I can't stop singing the praises as we all three of us have all year of CY Taukeaho. I mean, for the Roosters, I still think um, as an individual was their best in this game. Uh, Joey Manu up there as well, playing at 5'8". I thought the back five overall was solid as well for the Roosters up against a, a Penrith back five. That's been quite lethal this year and has been for the past three years, to be honest. Dylan Edwards leading the charge for them there and Taylor May and Isaac Tago also um, sticking with an attack and keeping up their consistent form as well. So I think it was a really good matchup. Obviously, the the officiating maybe put a dower on it a little bit. Not, not too much personally for me because I think the two respective efforts were still there. And it's one of those where on another day, the Roosters probably could have won if a couple of if they had a couple extra individual efforts, I guess you could say, because that's sort of what it came down to for them. They had, a, I, I think the side as a whole played really well, but I think, yeah, you had your Manus and your Taukeahos stand up. And I think maybe if a couple of us just stood up that extra bit further, they would have got over the top of Penrith, even with the refereeing calls. Dan? Yeah. Um, this is a bit like the Manly game. Like the Manly made so many mistakes in that first 15, 20 minutes. Melbourne didn't make them pay. Whereas the Roosters made quite a few early in this game. The Panthers didn't break them open, but they made them make so many tackles in that oh. first 15 or 20 minutes. They were red hot. They were just peppering their line time after time. And the Roosters did an amazing job to keep them out for as long as they did, I thought. Because um, that 10, first 10 or 15 minutes was just absolutely relentless from Penrith. Um and the Roosters weren't helping themselves there. But um, they got through that first sort of 15 minutes with only the one try down, I think. Um, and Penrith just throwing attack after attack at them, which I think probably killed them at the back end of the game, which is why they sort of didn't have that little bit, you know, they had that big spurt just after half time, but they didn't have that last sort of 10 minutes to put in the killer blow you know the, against the, the, this Penrith team. The other difference in that is that Fish Harris come back on. He yeah, made a dead impact um, straight away when he came back. And they needed him at that time. Generally always does. I, yeah. I think they've probably been taking him off for a little bit too long at them uh, just recently, but that, you know, they're still winning. So <laughs> you can't really be too critical yeah. with, with Penrith. But um, I, I dare say come semifinals time, he's probably only going to be off the field for 20 minutes maximum. But um, yeah, when, <laughs> Marty made a massive difference in the middle of the attack. Uh, it, just they played a, a whole different structure of football. And even if Kiri does come back in, I think this is the structure that they need to play. This is the way that their forwards play. Uh, it suits Tedesco a hell of a lot better. And um, if Manu can come in and chime in as well, back through the middle of the field, I think they'll give a, a lot of teams a lot of problems. Uh, Especially adding Lodge to their rotation. Absolutely. Yeah, the Roosters started so slow this year. There was the run of about six weeks where they didn't look like they could win a game. They were struggling badly. And that's sort of the, the reason they're in the position that they are at the moment. Um, I think they have improved over the last few weeks. And um, if, if, they, if Manu is going to play six for the next couple of weeks, I think that they may win a few games that you may not expect them to, or, or they will be winning the games that you do expect them to. And they, they might put a few points on. I still think they'll be down the bottom of the eight come the end of the season. Uh, the two 
the wingers in the centers had very little um, impact, I thought, from for the Roosters. Um, they they didn't have a, do a bad job, but they didn't really um, get involved, especially on the attacking side of things. It was sort of all through the middle. Uh, the two Butcher brothers were really good um, through the middle. Uh, the younger fellow, I think it was Egan, had more impact because he had less minutes off the bench, but they both did a, a pretty good job. I thought Walker was decent again. Uh, he's got that sh- little short little kicking game, which is really good. Manu and you mentioned Takeaho were their best. I thought Liam Martin was disappointing. I think he has been since the origin started, to be honest. Um, he'd be one I would possibly be questioning in that New South Wales team as well. Uh, he's, he's missed a lot of tackles recently and um, he's not sort of putting out the impact he usually does with his ball running, but the combination works. And he, he hasn't been horrible, but he's Where's been down he on his recent efforts. So Is he going somewhere? No, not that I know of. He I turned down so. an extension, didn't he? Or was it a wait and see? Or did I dream yeah, that? Not that I, you might have dreamt that. I, I don't think I've heard of Liam Martin in the news cycle recently. But, it was a while back. Um, I can't remember what it was. Fisher-Harris was decent. The back five, again, were fantastic. Um, they, they just do that job so well of getting him out of their out of their danger end. And May and Targo were the best of them. Uh, Cleary was fantastic. Again, his kicking game is, is and probably was the biggest difference in this game, apart from uh, Appy. Uh, Yo again was brilliant as well. So I had uh, Appy with three points, Takiaho with two, and then I either had Manu or Yo for the one. Oh, Yo, yeah. Uh, I I agree, but then I don't know which way to split the one either. Ollie? Ooh. Actually, maybe Manu. I just think he's just been on fire lately, but... 14 tackle bus, I suppose. Yeah. Probably worth a point. Yeah, go on. All right, so Appy... Takiyahu and Joey Manu. 18-6, Saturday kicked off in the swamp at Combank uh, with the Sharks against the Bulldogs and in their, uh, their month-long winning streak. Barn, stats, and then uh, what did you, you take away from this one? Yeah, it was hard to take away too much. <laughs> the weather played a massive part in this game, but we had one try to the Dogs, three to the Sharks. One out of one conversions played three out of three. And a missed penalty goal for the Sharks. 79% completion played 72%. 34 out of 43 sets played 31 out of 43. One line break for the Dogs, five for the Sharks. 30 tackle bus played 43. Eight offloads to seven. Two force dropouts by the Dogs, three by the Sharks. Zero 40-20s. 324 tackles played 368. One ruck infringement to four against the Sharks, one inside the 10 against the Sharks, five penalties conceded from both teams, 10 errors to the Dogs, 16 to Cronulla. Jeremy Marshall King made 45 tackles, Braley made 46, Waddell made 172 running metres, Talakai with 192. Burton missed 11 tackles, made 18. Josh Adekar missed four and made nine. Moylan made, uh, missed five and made 20. A couple of really nice shots too, actually. He snuck up on Paul Flanagan a couple of times and belted him. And Kennedy missed three and made six. Oh, I missed the super coach points if one of you want to drag those up for me and get the top yeah, three. You keep talking. Uh, this one was played in a swimming pool. Like, fair thing. If the water was ankle deep for the entire game, it got worse and worse. It was just half the field was mud by the end of this game, which is weird because it was at Parramatta, yeah? yeah. Which is one of the, what the newest stadium around. You think the drainage would, you know, we did have a lot of water. Like, what would we get 120 mils or something in the space of four or six uh, hours? Nico 96 points, Marshall King 85, and Nakora 77. Very good. But, um, yeah, we had an absolute 
deluge. Uh, the Sharks seem to be get, doing everything they could to give the dogs as many opportunities as possible. Um, I've mentioned it week after week for probably the last four or five weeks. They just turn over so much ball at the moment. Um, try, they were trying to play touch footy in fucking driving rain and the pools of water around your ankles um, there for 30 minutes, probably the whole first half, realistically. And they just kept turning it over. At the first 10 minutes, it actually looked quite crisp and it was working well and they sort of pulled the dogs around the field and scored, it, um, scored as well. But... Then it just started, you know, obviously the longer you, your legs get tired and all the rest of it, and then the balls just started hitting the ground everywhere. But um, the one big takeaway was the Sharks' defence um, on their line. It was fantastic. The Dogs did have a big, uh, prolonged period there for a good 10 or 15 minutes where they were peppering the Sharks' line and they didn't let them through. The Dogs' attack wasn't anything brilliant, but, you know, it was consistent. There was uh, Vaughan and... Vitala Mariner were actually like charging at the line and they, they managed to hold them out a few times in those sets of six that they had back to back. So, um, yeah, I thought the defense was fairly strong, which was good and uh, didn't really look troubled very often. I thought Max King and Fatala Mariner were really quite good for the dogs. Um, Vaughan and Jackson were really strong. They, they were, they were fantastic through the middle of the field. Burton tried hard as did Avarillo and Caraz. Uh, poor old Declan Casey, poor bloke. He had an absolute nightmare debut. I think he dropped the ball about five times in the space of about 15 or 20 minutes. Then ended up getting himself knocked out. Um, it was a bad one too. He was he was well and truly KO'd. He was rigid. <laughs> Gone, yeah. they medicabbed him off the field. It was not a good look. Um, Jeremy Marshall King was a constant threat. He was fantastic for the dogs. He was easily their best player um, in and around the ruck. Uh, the Sharks back five were fantastic. Um, they, they do it week after week. They take their pressure off the forwards and the, the meters that they make out of their back end. Kennedy was really good under the high ball. Uh, there was only probably three or four of those bombs put up and he didn't hit them the best like he has done all year, but um, Kennedy didn't, did not look like dropping him. He was fantastic under the high ball in this game. Um, as was Katoa, uh, which <laughs> I haven't said that often this year, but um it was Wade Graham's best game for a long time. He he had that kick pressure back. He was um, his consistent effort on effort football, which he's been known for for a long time. He looked the best he has for, for quite some time. The core and Rudolph were really good, um, as was McGuinness in the middle of the field. Um, Hines was fantastic. Hines was a difference easily. His running game was fantastic, uh, especially his kicking, kicking early, getting it down into corners, doing that kind of stuff that you need to do when it's um, pissing down rain. So. Well, I think the thing that sums up sort of the the weather and the impact that the weather had on the game for me, and you sort of brought it up, Barney, because um, especially in the first half, all the errors, 16 errors for Cronulla throughout the whole game. And not only that, obviously the Bulldogs couldn't take advantage of that and win. Now, obviously, we know the Bulldogs are a, a lower table team, but I, I, I think the rain played a, a huge part, obviously, in this game. Uh, if If it wasn't raining, I'd still probably... I'd still go with the Sharks and possibly by a little bit more. That goal line defence as well was just absolutely amazing from Cronulla, especially in that that sort of terrain, I guess you could say. Um, and, and that was my sort of big takeaway from it as well, was just Cronulla's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, tenacity, their sort of wherewithal to, to stay in it and win the game. And I have to say the one to five, as they have been really 
overall all season for Cronulla were outstanding and so was Nico. Nico's really been the one um, constant. He's not getting as much props overall, I guess you could say, um, as he was at the start of the year. Um, Might have dipped off for a couple of weeks there, but even when Cronulla haven't been playing as well, um, he's been the one constant and and that's why Cronulla's still up towards, I believe they're still in the top four uh, because they have a halfback and a halfback that's doing his job. Yeah, yeah. Barney, three, two, one. Nico with three. I had Jeremy Marshall King with two points, and then I had either Rudolph or Nakora for the one point for the Sharks. Mm, I'd go with Rudolph. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic through the middle. It was one of his better games, especially running the ball. Running over a few blokes there, which he hasn't done for a little while. So happy with that. Beauty. 40 to 26, the 5.30 game. The Cowboys beat the uh, Brisbane Broncos uh, to perhaps, look, if Daylight's second on the table, I think Cowboys are have just about wrapped Sneaking up. Sneaking up behind it. <laughs> just about on its tail there. So I think yeah. they, I, I can't say they don't finish third at least, and I, I think they're well and truly, well, I think they should finish second, shouldn't they? Uh, they look like a complete football team. But this was a good game, Bart. Um, what the what the stats say? Um, yeah, no, but just, but just every week I think I should just apologise from now until <laughs> they, they prove me wrong because, yeah, oh, mate, team, tip this team to win the fucking wooden spoon. How good's our the bold predictions going to be if they win oh, the comp? The way they've come out and just turned it up week turned it in week after week like their effort is amazing they're getting as much effort out of this team as any other team in the competition and they're doing it week after week and the whole team's doing it as well it's not you know five or six players it's the majority of the 17 turn up every week and just bust their ass um six tries to the cowboys four to the broncos six out of six conversions played four out of four two out of two penalty attempts Played one out of one for the Broncos. 80% completion, played 73%. 32 out of 40 sets, played 28 out of 38. 450-plus running metres and 160-plus post-contact metres for the Cowboys. Seven line breaks to six. 48 tackle busts, played 36. 15 offloads to 12. Three force dropouts by the Cowboys. Zero 40-20s. One ruck infringement from both teams. Four penalties conceded to seven. 11 errors by the Cowboys. 13 by the Broncos. Robson with 33 tackles. Ricky with 39. Felt with 172 running metres. Cobo with 188. Nanai missed five tackles, made 24. Griffin Neem missed five tackles, made 17. Ezra Mare missed six and made 15. And Walters missed six and made 24. Again, I left the Supercoach points out. I haven't updated those for these games. I'll have to go and do that. Uh, if you want to keep going, that again. I can do that. <laughs> First try of the game, poor Peter Hiku with a <laughs> beautiful offload out the back for the opposition to score five <laughs> minutes into the game. <laughs> I don't know what he was in. He threw that thing so fucking hard. I don't know who was going to catch it. <laughs> he threw it a long way backwards. But <laughs> that was a bit of a highlight in this game. Um the rest of the half was sort of back and forth, which I thought, but I thought that the, the Cowboys were slightly stronger on both sides of the of the football for pretty much the rest of this first half. Uh, without scoring points, they probably could have put a few on in that first half, but didn't. Um, 10 to 20 minutes into the second half, they absolutely took control over this Broncos side and they were just running them ragged um, all over the field, uh, especially the outside backs, big, strong carries and um, the, the centres and wingers were causing a lot of problems for the Broncos. 
give them credit. They kept fighting. Like they could have just gone away. They've done it recently over years past where they've just turned it up and um, didn't didn't keep fighting in this one because they were on the back of a hiding if they didn't um, keep fighting and they did. They they kept they kept coming, especially in the middle of the field. But I thought it was a pretty strong performance from the Cowboys. I thought they um they well and truly bettered this Broncos team and uh, the score probably flooded the Broncos with a couple of tries at the back end of this game. Um, Reynolds definitely wasn't fit. He um he struggled for 40 to 50 minutes. He had some nice touches uh, with some short balls to uh, to Corey Oates for tries. But, um, yeah, he probably should have had another week or two off, I think. Um, he didn't look like he wanted contact. Obviously, coming back from rib injury, there was something going on there. But um, he, he was okay. Mam's a bit hot and cold. You're going to get that with the young half coming through. Um, a, couple of, a couple of nice busts. Bernie's hot. He's, he's really yeah. good. He's got good footwork, speed, leg drive, all the rest of it, and and can ball play. But um, he had a couple of cold moments as well in this game. Their fullback struggled hard. I think it was probably Martin's worst game since he's come back into the the comp for the Bulldogs. Uh, and their their centre struggled pretty badly as well. I thought Flegler was okay. Hass was strong again, but now he's injured and out of origin. So. That was that's that. Um, Jensen was decent, but the, the wingers were their best players. Cobo and Oates were, you know, the only guys that really looked like making any imprint on the game, and they scored a couple of tries there. I thought the Cowboys' halves were average in this game. Actually, they just sort of sat back and just flung the ball wide and let the the centers and the the back rowers do their thing. Um, they didn't really have a huge impact on the game apart from a bit of kicking. <laughs> uh, Drinkwater was fantastic his ball playing is just it just seems to be getting better and like he's, he's already got the brilliant long ball to hit wingers and centers and send them over but he, he seems to be picking his times even better than what he was 12 months ago and he was ridiculously good um, he's got a short kicking game now too like a he just picks one to, to turn him around and put him behind the line as well so um, jason Talam, uh, jason tamalolo nanai and gilbert were very good in this game uh, Holmes and Felt were good as well, and uh, Tuolagi was fantastic. I thought the, the intercept was brilliant. Um, he, he's got a touch of class to him, that young fella. He, look, he looks really good. As, and Robson, <laughs> he probably had close to the game of his career in this one. I know he's been good week, you know, most weeks this year, but he was fantastic in this game. That's a pretty good summary there. I don't have a lot to to add to it. Uh, concern, I think out of this game, Brisbane have four or five injuries. I think they lost Haas. Martin went off. I think his shoulder's no good. Uh, Ricky's gone. TC Rabadi's gone. So a couple of, you know, so a tough, a bit of a tough road ahead for Brisbane now. I don't have not double-checked their draw. Uh, they get, I think te- they get Tessie Newback, which um, which is, is good for them and timing-wise works. Can help. Uh, what do I say about them? You know, he's been, Katoni's fallen off a cliff since Origin. Uh, I don't think he's he hasn't just just hasn't come across as aggressive as he used to be, uh, and uh, both in defence and attack. So I don't know, you know, what to go there. Um, yeah, I won't reiterate all of it, but the the backs for the Cowboys are fantastic. Drinkwater's arguably the form the form ball player of the comp, if not one of them. Uh, and and Val Holmes, we, we've we've talked about it for weeks now, but he's in the, as good a form as he's ever been, and just um. Sensational, strong, and fast, and and good. Uh, yeah, that I mentioned, um, Luciano was fine on debut. Uh, he'll give him something as a seventeen. You know what I mean? If you get half hour at him every week, uh, particularly if their injuries have had it, it's just a, it's only another tick for the team. Put him through half a gap, he'll bust a hole. Here yeah, so which is all I'd really want given the setup they've got. 
so I think, as I said, they're the second best team in the comp, and we'll see what finals brings when we get there. Oliver? Well, after Barney's analytical prowess, I thought to myself, oh, oh, he didn't mention Luciano, so I'll still bring up that, be able to bring up that Luciano had a good debut until the fearless leader snatched it right before my eyes. So what I will say is, uh, based off the point Barney brought up at the start, is that I think us three at some point should go to Cowboys HQ or Townsville Legs Club or wherever, somewhere up there and do the Wayne's World, we're not worthy because uh, uh, I think the Cowboys have definitely earned it. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, three points drink water. David, I'm assuming is what you're going to say? Yeah. Well, Oates got 99 Supercoach points. Oh, Still lucky with yeah. 98 and Robson with 89. Drink water 87, Val 86. So juicy yeah, I had drink water with three points. I had Robson with two and then I was tossing up the two. Oh, actually, no. I'll just give it to Tuolungi. I, I thought Tamalale was pretty close um, as a forward, but I thought Tuolungi had a touch of class in this game. I'll agree to that. I'll give um, you know, Andre. Honorary mention to the, the Brisbane wingers, but the, I, I'm fine with what you've just said. Uh, unless Oliver has a major objection, we've just outvoted him. Oh, good. I talk, agree. All right. Talk about Jekyll and Hyde, because here's two of them. Uh, 30 to 12 South. Knocked off. Well, it was Parramatta. You know the weird thing about Parramatta is? They're Parramatta. 100%. But their fans always seem to know when they're going to play like shit. Like if you talk to para fans, yeah, they, they tell you before the game. Now we won't win. Like it's I've I've never seen as a team, also, and they all do it. Like it's not like it's one bloke. Everyone you talk to now, we won't win this week. It's amazing. To your point, <laughs> is it just me, or was there sort of an aura, or it was not unpredictable? that the Bulldogs were going to flog Parramatta about a month ago. Like it seemed the day of the game or whatever. Like I remember waking up thinking like, if the Bulldogs flogged. But I swear like a couple of people, like, I don't know that it like, Oh, it'll be such a para thing if the dogs flog it. And it was just sort of that, that, like that, that it's like the yeah. it's the reverse and, fairy and, tale and, story. But, but it's like, <laughs> it's like then when it happened, like on paper, we should be shocked. But when it happened, it was sort of like, oh, yeah. It's like if you could think like, of the worst thing that could happen yeah. to Parramatta this weekend, it'll happen. <laughs> they have the good story the next week. and yeah. It's wow. just amazing. And I just – do your stats, Barnley. Yeah, well, we did hear from a few Parramatta fans, and they were petrified. They they, they said that yeah, the drill would come like in and yeah. Parramatta would just be scared, and they, they looked scared when he was running the ball, to be honest. But um, we had Souths 30, Parramatta 12, five tries to two, five out of five conversions played two out of two, 75% completion played 70%. 33 out of 44 sets played 28 out of 40, 400-plus running metres for Souths, five line breaks to two, 33 tackle busts to 18, Six offloads to four, five forced dropouts by Souths, one by Parramatta. 381 tackles played, 381 tackles. One ruck infringement against Parramatta, one inside the 10 against Parramatta. Five penalties conceded to three, 14 errors to 13. Cook made 49 tackles, Mahoney with 55. Alex Johnson with 274 running metres. Polo with 197 metres. Graham missed four tackles, made 19. Ilias missed three and made 12. Mahoney missed six and made 55, and Gutherson missed three and made eight. Uh, Alex Johnson with 111 super catch points. Latrell with 99. 
and three other Souths players before you got to Gutherson on 73. So, like, is is there a logic to these teams that beat Parrot? Is it just that maybe they it suits the certain teams don't suit their up and in defence, certain teams do, is it or is it just Parramatta? Is it impossible to for any logical mind to try and work out? Well, Parramatta got belted in the forwards in this game and you don't see it happen very often. Particularly by a South team. Mate, they they just turned into an absolutely different team. Their forwards ran harder, hit harder than they have all year. Um, they, they were energised, they were enthusiastic. It was a complete contrast after, you know, when the drill comes back in and they all just play like they're fucking superstars. I, I don't understand how putting one bloke in and back at fullback can make your entire forward pack run like a pack of monsters through the middle of the field. Like they were completely different to what they've been yeah. putting out week after week, that forward pack. They were amazing, this forward pack. They would have beaten pretty much any team in the comp through the middle in this game. But they you were... My team? <laughs> they would have beaten you by 100. Yeah. <laughs> this forward pack was one of the best performances I've seen out of a forward pack all year. They absolutely ripped into the middle of Parramatta and Parramatta just seemed to have no answer to it. I don't understand how they could just completely do like turn and do that, but they did. That um, catch and offload off Isaiah Tass, that was a highlight moment that'll probably f- float around on the on the reels for a little while. Um, looks like a, a pretty uh, special young player, that fella. So I yeah. think um, the longer they have him in the centres or in the wings, that could only be a good thing for him. Um, Parramatta's forwards weren't even that bad. Like most of them were pretty decent, but they got blown off the park off the park by this South forward pack. And if they can do that every week, of, you know, or most games for the rest of the year, they're going to be a contender at the back end of the year. But obviously, we've got our question marks about that happening every week. Um, Paris Harms and outside backs minus Gutho were near non-existent. They they had not a lot of ball, and when they did, they didn't they did sweep fuck all with it. Um, Mahoney and Paulo were fairly decent in the middle. Papali'i was kept quiet in this game, uh, which is unusual for him. I thought Oregon Kafusi off the bench actually gave him a bit of go forward yeah. through the middle. Um, he was quite good. But um, yeah, Nia Kore was okay. Gutherson and um, Sean Lane were their best players and they were standouts compared to the, pretty much the rest of this team. Keon Kulamatungi, Totola and Burgess were fantastic in the middle and they were, they were probably the, the worst performances out of this <laughs> South starting pack. Uh, Murray, Arrow and Cook were just fucking everywhere. They ripping in in defence and attack, short passing. Um, yeah, they were so good. Tass and Johnson were the best of the outside backs. But to me, Parramatta's defence looked terrified every time Latrell chimed into the back line. Yeah. But they shit themselves. They were either ball-watching Cody or ball-watching Latrell, and they just sort of stood back and went, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Oh, fuck, he's gone. And he's passed it to someone else, and AJ's run around him and scored in the corner. Like, <laughs> they were dead set terrified of Latrell every time he touched the ball. And uh, amazing how Cody... Even grew a leg. Um, well, he knows where he's going to be. You know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah. he knows he can just put the play on him. He knows the trail's out there. So yeah, even if he gives him a shit pass, the trail could make something happen anyway. So it just adds that confidence to Cody Walker. You want to talk about this, Oliver? Yes, I would. And it was not only the return of Latrell Mitchell in this one. It was also, I'd say, the return of Thomas Burgess, who for a large part of this season, at least the last few weeks, I've <laughs> been less than amazing. 
put it that way. And um, after a really good 2021, but he well and truly had a, a return to form in this game. I think uh, Saliva Havili, a player who we've sort of been um, spruiking, I guess you could say, the past few weeks coming off of the bench there, limited minutes, but I think he was good. Um, South Sydney overall just running over the top. I think um, they managed to win the forward battle, but obviously their back line, just the, the speed and X factor that they've got, and they just, yeah, they humbled Parramatta really uh, uh, across the field. And that's all you could really say about it. Um, other than the impact of Latrell Mitchell, I guess, just being there and being Latrell, you, you, you sort of bring up players with that, that natural talent, that natural ability, sort of do anything, and that's Latrell. And I think that's part of what keeps these defences guessing. And it'll be interesting to see if he can have that same impact against a, a few other teams this year in the coming weeks. Look, I'm not saying Latrell Mitchell's going to um, be frightening a team like... Uh, Penrith or even North Queensland anytime soon, but some of these other teams, I feel like we could see a bit of a a, a late season flourish from Latrell, which would be good to see because I think it's the past two years he's missed the back end of the season through injury or suspension. Yeah, yeah, you, you get these into a, a qualifying final and you, you, you just really fire up if they can get there. But um, yeah, are you giving three to to Latrell, Brian? No, I'm giving three to Cook. I didn't give a point to Latrell, to be honest. Um, I know he did. Did they were terrified of him, and he, he put on a couple of nice passes. But I think this was one through the middle, and um, without the work that, that the forwards did through the middle, they, they wouldn't have had any. Um, they wouldn't have been able to get onto the front foot outside. So I, I gave Cook three. I gave Murray two, and then I either had um, Sean Lane or Arrow for the one point. Or you could give it to Latrell, I suppose. But Holly. Well, I'd like to give it to Latrell, but I, I, I do agree. I do think there were actually better players, and I think I will go with Arrow um, from South Sydney. I think, yeah, that as a whole, the team played really well. There wasn't really a poor performance across the field, and that's why Latrell probably misses out. I actually wouldn't mind making a case to give Alex Johnson a point because we never really do, and he did no, score two tries and ran 270-plus run metres. Um, let's go with AJ. I'm happy yeah, with Yeah, let's do that. All righty. 22-2, the Warriors returned back to New Zealand to win their return in um, <laughs> pleasant scenes. What did the stats say, huh? <laughs> Wonderful scenes, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful scenes. Three tries to zero. Three out of three conversions played zero. Two out of two penalty attempts uh, for the Warriors. One out of one for the Tigers. 72% completion played 86% completion for the Tigers. 32 out of 44 sets played 31 out of 36. Three line breaks to one. 39 tackle busts to 17. Eight offloads to three. Four four dropouts by the Tigers. Zero 40-20s. 345 tackles played 386. One ruck infringement against the Tigers. One inside the 10 against the Warriors. Five penalties conceded to eight. 14 errors to seven. Aitken made 49 tackles. Offa Hengawi made 58. Fanua Blake with 163 running metres. And Mamalo with 195. Montoya missed two tackles and made five, and that was the worst for the Warriors. Brooks missed eight and made 32. Tohu Harris with 92 supercoach points. Offa Hengau with 87. And Sean Johnson with 73. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that did happen. Holly? <laughs> well, I'll start off like this, Daggy. Do not despair, because as he said, the Warriors returned 
home triumphantly this week. And next weekend, the Tigers will triumphantly return to Leichhardt Oval, where they have such an amazing record returning to each time uh, they go back to that ground. They're praying so for a washout. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be looking forward to that one. Well, they're versing Parramatta, so they'll probably win. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't the Warriors wish they could be um, returning home every week because just like going through and looking at these stats and based off of what I've seen for the uh, from the Warriors this season, this is like a completely different side. Like where's this effort been all year as well? And I don't mean to be a poopy pants negative, but <laughs> to, to be honest, like a lot of it this year has come down to effort with the Warriors. Like it has the Tigers and the Titans as well. They're no different. Um, the effort was there. <laughs> the effort was there for this one, um, especially we saw some great performances out of the likes of Sean Johnson as well, who this season has largely just been a ghost. Like his best game for twelve there. months. Like uh, uh, probably longer. Honestly, like and, and when he was at Cronulla, he was good. I, I don't think he was horrible at Cronulla. Quite injury prone, but I think he was good and mm-hmm. sort of not getting back to the that necessarily in this game alone but um again just coming back to New Zealand for that one week is interestingly seeing some of these players look like superstars for the game so whether or not they can keep up that form Jesus Christ I sure hope not um but <laughs> if they do it's a big positive for the Warriors and a team who overall and we've sort of spoke about it looking towards the future don't actually have a whole lot going for them. So the most they can get out of now, um, the more positive impact that will have sort of heading towards the future, I think. So hopefully for their sake, they could get that secured. The Tigers, I thought for the first, for most of the first half, I thought that they matched them pretty well. Um, I think the Warriors were getting a lot of the 50-50 calls though, which the Warriors tend not to get a lot of the time. I wonder why they were getting them. By a lot of them, you mean all of them. It's like 68% possession at halftime. Yeah, and I think... And and lucky that the Warriors... Let's all be honest. Warriors aren't that good. And Tigers are bad. Warriors' execution is pretty poor a lot of the time. They could have won this game by 50 if they're any good. Yeah, and I agree. But I I guess I just... You know, during the start of the game, at least, the Tigers, I think, were... We're matching them pretty well when we're sort of up on their level. But... Um, I think I'll hand over to you now, Daggy, to elaborate on, on the Tigers a little bit more. But David wants to talk. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Rightio. I don't have a lot to say, but I've got a little bit. Um, the Warriors were definitely obviously up and about for this. They have a large part of this side hasn't been home for, for two years, so they've obviously got to add something. Um, you can see a lot of they, there was a, seemed to be a weight lifted off a lot of them, um, but they came here with a plan, and that was to bash the Tigers through the middle of the field. I thought their forwards were quite good. Um, there was some um, some really strong, dominant displays out of uh, out of their middles. Fanua Blake, uh, Josh Curran, uh, a couple of others. Uh, Torhu Harris were fantastic in the middle of the field. And there was only really one Tiger that seemed to um, offer any resistance, and that was Offa Ngawi, who's been in career best form for the last six or eight weeks. He's, he's going real well at the moment. Um, by no means a, a beautiful game of footy, but it was tough and gritty, and the Warriors... Uh, came out with the, the huge intensity early. The Tigers, as Ollie said, were, were pretty willing and were able to hang on for for quite a long time, but eventually uh, weight of possession, weight of calls just broke through with the Tigers. Um, 
the one disappointing thing for the Tigers was that the when the possession and that they did have, they didn't seem to um, threaten the, the the defensive line at all for the Warriors, which was um, you know their defense was better than it has been recently, but there was still there was still opportunities that the Tigers just didn't um, didn't take at all. Uh, the the back row has caused a lot of issues for the Tigers. Um, Curran, Aiken, they um yeah they they. The, the Tigers were struggling all day to sort of grab onto those blokes and stop them. Um, Garner and uh, Fanua Pole, young fella, Dabu, I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, I, I thought see. he was very good. Um, and Fanamanu Brown, I thought they were probably the, some of the better players in the middle for the Tigers. Dewey and Hastings tried hard, but they, you know, once it gets outside of those guys, there's not a lot that seems to be happening out, out, out any wider than the halves. So... Uh, what do you say? <laughs> Laurie was okay. Off and go was fantastic. I thought uh, Harris Tavita and Egan were good for for the Warriors and threatened quite a bit in and around the ruck. Tavanga and Fanua Blake. I'll add Karen to it with the, with the strongest ones through the middle. With and Aiken and Torhu Harris were fantastic. But um, the man in the match I thought was Sean Johnson because uh, he, he seemed to have a hand in pretty much any, any point that they had to offer for the for the Warriors. So. Yeah, you've covered off the Warriors pretty well. Um... The issue with the Tigers is, like, uh, I think I actually missed because I was watching half watching UFC for the first half, and um, so should have kept watching UFC. Oh, I did. It finished, uh, <laughs> and then and then um, but then I watched obviously watched the, the watched it and then watched the second half. But it um, it, the, the Tigers had enough possession to come back in this game, and their attack looked much like it just looked confused after, which it has been for a long time, but. They went away from uh, having Hastings having his ball in the hands all the time. It, the whole team was was being run through Dewey by the end of the game, to the point I think I messaged you and said like, "What is this? What is the structure here?" Because I couldn't hear the commentary. But um, well, Hastings seemed, did seem to pick up a knock. Um, yeah, he, and and admittedly he, he had an ankle, so maybe he didn't want to be kicking. Pulled and, himself out of the um, yeah yeah, but um, out of the attack a little bit. I, I think he got a shoulder knock as well. So yeah, so mm-hmm. it do, and 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 that's a fair call because Dewey was doing all the in play kicking by the end of the game. And he was fine, um, and he'll be fine. But um, a few games back, it's the three. a bit of a <laughs> bit of a job for him to be doing. That's right. But um, the three of them on the field doesn't work. Uh, they've got to make the call. And if, if Brooks is not where they want to go, just get rid of him. Well, you know, let's move on. Uh, the only other comment I wanted to make was I agree. I thought, um, is it Pole? Uh, yep. Pole, he was um, more than serviceable. I think he'll be fine. Uh, Austin Diaz didn't do a lot, but... Um, at least looked like he was trying, which is a nice change. And, um, and yeah, uh, for Manu Brown. So then, surprise, surprise, they're three blokes that uh, haven't been in this, in this team for a while. I just don't, I don't see the upside. I don't see the upside. I think they give Fana Manu Brown a, a crack at nine, to be honest. Why not? Yeah. It can't I, be any worse than what they're doing. That's right. right. Just give him 80 minutes at nine and see how he goes. Yeah. But, uh, the reason is they don't want to have – apparently they're too scared to drop Brooks. I think they probably would if they could. We'll yeah. see where it happens. Apparently, it's you know was coming or is coming or might be coming. And but if this is it looked particularly like they will finish the season with Hastings and Dewey, um, which is probably the destination all along. Uh, Warriors are the Warriors. I don't think they'll you know they'll beat the other geeks if they play at home again. And if not, are they, so are they full home and away now, or is this just a a one off? Yeah, no, it's still home away. I think they've only got four or five games left for the rest of the season at home, so they'll be travelling every second week, pretty much. Uh, and you didn't really mention Wade Egan, but he was good. And uh, unfortunately, my one big disaster class crack uh, was taken off me. But anyway. 
was. It was, it was a nice bit to... of a tough one too because uh, you would have assumed it got to the ground, but they I... said they couldn't see it. Yeah, so. I, I. Anyway, different if you need the money. It's um. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked enough about a game between 15th and 16th, so let's move on. Three points, Johnson, two points, Tohu, and you can pick whoever you want. Up no, I gave Buffett and Gowie two points. I oh, thought he was tremendous for the Tigers. Um, he's been leading that pack for weeks, and yeah, I thought he was the second best player on the field, followed by Tohu Harris. So. Okay, I'm fine with that. Let's wrap it up. 12 10 uh, with the Dragons, as we've touched on, getting home against the Raiders in. <laughs> uh, a game of football in a hurricane. Uh, God bless those two fellas that stood up on the hill the whole game. Uh, Surprised they didn't get blown over. I assume, they're, yeah. assume they're now in intensive care, but um, I hope they enjoyed themselves. <laughs> so, uh, stats behind. Yeah, we had um, two tries apiece, one out of two conversions for both teams, and one out of one penalty attempts for the Dragons. 78% completion for the Dragons, 70% for the Raiders. 33 out of 42 sets, played 29 out of 41. Three line breaks to four, 26 tackle busts to 33. 10 offloads for the Dragons, seven for the Raiders. Three force dropouts from both teams. 344 tackles, played 366. One ruck infringement, played two. Two inside the 10 against the Dragons. Four penalties conceded to six. 10 errors to 15. McCulloch made 48 tackles. Tarpane with 45. Rabalawa with 144 running metres and Tarpane with 158 running metres. Amone missed four tackles, made 13. Hunt missed four and made 17. Tomoko missed three and made five. Tarpane with 94 supercoach points. Elliot with 77. Hudson Young with 77. And Suli with 70. Well, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Blowing yes. a gale, uh, raining sideways down in Wollongong. And um, they would have been horrendous being out there trying to play this game of footy. I reckon they should refund the tickets to anybody that was stupid enough to go out there and sit there and watch this game because they didn't deserve to have to put up with the weather and then watch the performance from both of these teams because there was some pretty poor footy played with some pretty horrendous weather to go with it. Um yeah, both teams and the weather work together to make this a very hard watch, this game. Um, the Dragons absolutely gifted their first try with the, a short kickoff gone wrong and yeah. <laughs> tap back straight to a Monet to basically just dive over the try line and score the first try. Uh, the, the next three tries were basically just changes of angle and running straight and hard and catch and pass. And they, there were some simple tries scored. There was no brilliant football played. Um the Dragons halves won their matchup with the Raiders halves. Um, they were much better than the halves out from the Raiders. There was a couple of really good, uh, great forward performances from the Raiders, but the Dragons just had more contributions. They had more blokes playing decent footy, and they were um, Jack DeBellin, Laura, uh, Blake Laurie was decent. Sims, McCulloch, and Sewer were good. Um, Jake Bird was their best forward. Uh, Jack Bird was their best forward. I uh, thought he was he had a really good game uh, considering he hasn't he's been up and down for most of the season. Whitehead and Horsburgh were okay. Elliot Young and Tapane were fantastic. They were um, doing what they do every pretty much every week for the last three or four weeks, and that was carrying this Raiders team. But they just couldn't get them home at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, they interesting calls on both the uh, the dropouts the one that led to points, and then the one that... The penalty. Because the penalty looked pretty much exactly the same to me, but what would I know? Um, they... I've, 
yeah, you mentioned Blake Laurie. He's having a good season. Um, good on him. He's trying very hard. You, the only one I, I sort of want to half knock again is Whitehead. I think he's um, a bit of a passenger these days and holding perhaps in the way of kicks. So giving it Elliot uh, and especially someone like uh, we were no, he's not even in the squad anymore. Um, yeah. A spot, but uh, budget of a game. Dragons won again, and Dragons are. You've got to give, you know, we're first to bag team setups and uh, coaches and all the rest of it. Maybe not the first, but we don't mind piling on. Uh, Hook's got a team that we all probably thought wouldn't finish higher than 14th, and they're going to probably make the finals. Uh, and Sully was really good again. Sully was good again. Yeah. Um, so I've got to give a shout out to Hook because um, we, we questioned that all along, and he's got this team overperforming, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. So shout out there, Ollie. Well, just looking at sort of the, the impact that this game's had, and I'm having a look now at the, the for and against, and I feel like this may be the game. Uh, I said going into it, it could be a top eight four-pointer, but I feel like this might be the, the one where uh, it's getting very close, if not already um, putting the, the pen through Canberra, to be honest, because uh, looking at the for and against, and the Dragons have a horrible, like, they're, they're minus 70, but they're in the top eight, and they 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 do have four points um, on Canberra. But yeah. we've got Canberra in 11th with mi- minus 41. The Seagulls and Roosters, the two teams above them, just outside of the top eight, both have positive for and against. So I feel like even if Canberra sort of hang along with them, and it, it, it's sort of a shame because Canberra, I think we all agree Canberra has improved from what we saw at the start of the season. Well, the last six weeks have been, yeah, rocks and diamonds compared to what they put up at the start of the year. 100%. But they, um, That's what's cost them, to be honest. Yeah. Like they, If they didn't start as poorly as they did, I know they beat the Sharks in round one, which was obviously a good way to start the year. But I think the next five or six games, they got beaten and convincingly beaten um, and just played really bad football. Um, <laughs> they, you know, the, the young fellow Schneider was trying hard, but White went missing and a lot of their outside backs were playing really poorly. I know they've heard, you know, they can blame the ref for this one, not getting this one, but they can realistically can't blame anybody but themselves from the way that they started this year. But they, they were one of the poorer teams running around for the first probably eight weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just think with where they are on the ladder and therefore and against comparative to those two teams above them, I think, you'd just about probably rule them out of top eight contention now. Yeah, you'd want to have a look at, the, obviously, the run homes of the last 10 yeah. weeks or whatever it is, but, yeah, it's just it's, it's, they're pushing shit uphill now. So Dragons, yeah, poor old Dragons have Brisbane, the Roosters, the Seagulls, the Cowboys, the Sharks for the next six weeks. So. Well, interesting, two of those teams are the two teams below them. So. Exactly. Uh, they do probably meet Brisbane at the right time, coming mm-hmm. origin and injury, so we'll see. Uh, and yeah, and I still don't think Souths are a guarantee either to make the eight right. So, so realistically, we could say the the last two spots are up for grabs. I'd even say the last three, to be honest. Like realistically, the top five, you'd probably say will make the eight now. But other than that, if anything could happen, if Manly play like they did, they'll they'll make the eight. You would think so, but <laughs> Manly another one that played exactly. two good games of footy and then three shit games yeah. of footy. So. <laughs> Nobody's really seasons. been consistent apart from Penrith all year. Like even Melbourne have got away with a few. Yeah. There's probably three or four wins there where they probably should have lost. Yeah. You know, Isn't so. it amazing? Um, I don't think I've ever seen a season with less consistency from across the board. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the Cowboys. And the Cowboys. Cowboys have been pretty consistent. Yeah. Anyway, um, we've got to give out some dag points here. I've forgotten about that. Uh, <laughs> I gave Tarpany three in a losing team. I thought he was the best player on the ground again, but that could just be a bit of my bias. Uh, I had Jack Bird in for two, and then I had, either had one of the Dragons halves for the one point. Yeah, give it to I still think, despite the penalty, I think you still give it to Hunt. Um, so that's fine with me as well. It's amazing. Jack Bird felt like, for that first half, he felt like he was in everything. He ran 36 metres. <laughs> like, it felt like every time he touched a ball, something was going to happen. I don't know. Uh, what do you have to do? we got a pot plant. There's plenty around this week. A few of them got blown <laughs> off the hill, but, uh, yeah, who have I've you already got? given him a bit of a serve in the, in the Titans rematch. Jared Wallace is the biggest liability in the game, in my opinion, and if he may as well not be out there. If I could put the pot plant in the middle of the field, might trip someone over and not give a penalty away. Oliver? Um, I'm going to stick with the Titans and I'm going to pot plant my man just because I feel like he he deserves it. Um, it how do I say it? Especially so with he, his great defensive effort against a... Um, a winger here, and that's Jermaine Asako. And you know what? I think I might go double trouble. I'll chuck Brian Kelly in there as well. Into <laughs> both of their seeds into the one pot plant to create this grotesque abomination. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I'll, I'll just say Jaden Nikarima. Yeah, the, the, he had a shocker. He yeah, absolutely did. did I'll give you Gumpy's one. It would have been Declan Casey, I can promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> now, the no, way that we so. heard through the chat. Um, kid on debut, you can't really pop him, I don't think, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gumpy would have. So. You got a slap, Ollie? Yeah, I want to slap the weather. Sure. That sounds like a euphemism, <laughs> but I'm not sure what for. No, the... the yeah, you know, the the water that came from the squad during the weekend. Yes, no, I know what you mean, but okay. Uh, uh. Taking slaps at the fucking rain as it comes. <laughs> <past>. <laughs> I'm going to slap Jackson Hastings. Um, considering the form that he was in six weeks ago, he's running the show. Tigers actually looked like they were going somewhere with their attack. His last month has been. Um, more than disappointing in my eyes. Uh, he doesn't seem to be creating anything like he was. And um, I know he can be a lot better than what he is currently put in over the last three or four weeks. So hopefully a slap around the chops get him going. I like the fact he um, was captain on the weekend. I guess it, like he probably earned it, but I agree 100%. And I, I, it makes you wonder how much of that's a change of coaching structure. We've lost our, our fearless leader. Fearless leaders. Yeah, I was just saying I, I agree with that. I wonder how much of that is a change of coaching structure. I know he was quite... Quite close to Madge, I guess. Uh, as was Adam Dewey. As I said, they um would have been. It would be nice to have had had them have a crack together from the start. But uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, who have I got to slap for? I'm just going to slap all the officials because I'm, I don't know. It's lazy. Weekend that was, but um, <laughs> it happened. So yes. Anyway, I'll finish on a good one and salute uh, CSCWA Takiyahu for an outstanding effort against Penrith. One of the performances of the round. And uh, and the last since he's come back since he's you know, gotten over the rib stuff and all the rest of it, he's been fantastic. And as I've said repeatedly, I wish he was staying in there and perhaps playing for you know a team I the might sort of follow. Mm. But anyway, for the Titans, the Sharks are taking. Mm. I, I really do the not Sharks understand. Hate him. Yeah, as uh, fucking, as, what's his going? Fafita's going. So is Tolman. 
As a good friend of the show, Steve Chester suggested he, he thinks it's probably Robbo pulling some French connections for a nice retirement. Uh, yeah, fun. a bit of a cushy uh, retirement fund. Get him a couple yeah. of years, you know, tax-free. Drink margaritas and, on the beach over yeah, south uh, of France. Which makes sense. I mean, good If that's what he's after, good on him. And you know what? He, I hope... Yeah, it makes absolute sense. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. And he can play at 50%, just belt the crap out of some Englishmen. Yeah. How good. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Funny, isn't that? What <laughs> dreams may come, eh? But yeah. Oliver? Um, I am going to salute Sean Johnson's, I won't say return to, to form, but return to one really good performance. Yeah. I'm going to salute Edric Lee. You know, like the Blake's played very little footy for two years to come back and get five tries. Now the record holder for the Newcastle Knights. Uh, it was a fantastic performance. Uh, his hand probably <laughs> said he should have got four instead of five tries. But mm. anyway, with another one for the bunker. And um, we mentioned him before too, drink water. I think he's in career best form. Um, he definitely deserves his position that he's playing in at the moment. And, he probably deserves a starring role somewhere as well. So, I don't know. The Cowboys are using him as one of their their link players, but he, I don't know. He could probably go and play six somewhere and run a team. But He might be very happy just playing one. Yeah, probably is in a team Especially that's going extremely well. Uh, yes. I think he'll be, be just fine, David. <laughs> Uh, but thanks for your concern for, for young Scott. Uh, anyway, that has been uh, Footy and Frothies. We'll be back Wednesday with a very quick preview show for the four games ahead. Uh, and then we'll head into Origin Week again. So pleasure doing business with you all, gentlemen. Good job. And we, yeah, as we said earlier in the show, hope everyone stays safe. Hope this rain pisses off very soon. And uh, we will be back very shortly. Until then, take care and we'll talk. Well, then, I suppose. Good evening. <laughs>